some applications, both in the aspect of human love one for another, and also in the aspect of of God's love for us. Um, you cannot read the book of Song of Solomon without realizing uh, the exclusive nature of this love. Now, it's interesting. Solomon is attributed with writing Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. So those are all all put in the Scripture. They're all made part of the Word of God. They tell us that Song of Solomon was probably written when he was young, before he went and did all the other things. Proverbs was written in midlife, and Ecclesiastes, his defense of his philosophy of life, was written when he was older. And that will help you understand some of the things that that relate to that. But as we mentioned this morning, the book of the Song of Solomon teaches us about human love between a husband and wife. And, and you read it and you understand it's a very exclusive love. And we understand that for that reason in uh, in a wedding ceremony that it is said do you promise to forsake all others to cleave to him and him only or her and her only and teth and te- and teth until death do you part and the exclusivity of that cleave to one another only and the permanence of it until death parts you. But tonight we want to look at the exclusivity of this. Exclusive love, and we're going to list some characteristics, and and quite some time ago, knowing that I was um, going to be eventually getting to the Song of Solomon, I jotted down some of these notes, and I would give credit to who it was that I jotted it down, but I didn't write down, and I can't remember if it was in a book, if it was in some podcast or something. But as I've thought on these and meditated, they've been a blessing to me, and you realize early, and you realize often that In the ministry, well, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. And to come up with something original means you're probably going to come up with heresy, okay? Um, But the reality is exclusive love is characterized by many of these things. Number one, exclusive love means time. Love desires, and and we put references here, and and you can go back and look, but you'll see it throughout the Song of Solomon. 
when you love someone, you desire to spend time with them. Exclusive love involves time. And in dealing with time, whatever you say yes to, you are saying no to many other things. And and in realizing this, it is easy for us to get caught up in life, living our life, and the ones that that we love the most, or at least ought to love the most, are often the ones that get our leftover time. Exclusive love involves time. Now, we're going to make application with each of these in our relationship with God. We can sing about loving God. We can say that we love God. But do we exclusively love God, and is it manifested in the time that we spend with Him? Not just individual time, but that we take our thoughts toward Him, that we, we enjoy fellowship with Him, that we're communing with Him in thanksgiving, in prayer, that, of course, that we're allowing the Word to speak to us. Exclusive love involves time. Exclusive love means attention. You know, I, I will, throughout the years, I've, I've counseled individuals as couples. And, and there are times that, that one of the individuals will it, it came to a crisis, and and the marriage is about to fall apart. And one of them will say, I had no idea she was unhappy or he was unhappy. And it's like, wait a minute, exclusive love requires attention. Paying attention to what is going on in their heart and mind and what their body language says and what their spirit says and what their words say. I mean, it's not just time, it's also attention. And you read the book of the Song of Solomon and they gave attention to each other and and we understand that. Exclusive love brings our attention. Exclusive love. God exclusively loves us. And you are the apple of His eye. You, he has given you attention. Do we exclusively love God? Do we give Him attention? Or is it only when we're in trouble do we cry out to God? Or when there's a need, do we... Do we know his heart? You give attention to a person's heart. Do you know his heart? What brings his heart joy? What grieves his heart? Exclusive love means attention. Exclusive love means ownership. 
In Song of Solomon 2.16, I am my beloved's and he is mine. And we sing his banner over me is love. This is, this is ownership. In, in wedding vows, we say, um, drawing a blank right now, but all that I have is yours. That's not the terms. I'm drawing a blank, but, um, but whatever it is, we're saying, I give all my possessions, I give my body, I give everything to you. It's yours. And this is brought out in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. You don't have power over your own body, your spouse does. And this is ownership. I'm, and this is where God uses marriage in many, many ways to deal with self and the love of self. And in, in understanding, exclusive love is, I'm not my own now. I, I give that to you. I'm not free to do just whatever I want. So exclusive love in a marriage means ownership, not in the sense of slavery and like that, but it, we give of ourselves to serve the other. And exclusive love in our relationship to Christ, I am not my own, Paul said. I am bought with the price of Jesus Christ. He bought me. I mean, we are, we are doubly owned by God. Number one, He created us. And then number two, He bought us from sin. He paid the penalty for our sin by dying on the cross for us. And He bought us, redeemed us, we are not our own. We exclusively belong to God. Exclusively. And He is committed exclusively to us. It involves ownership. Exclusive love involves pursuit. You will read in the book of the Song of Solomon that she, um, her beloved was not there. She went out pursuing him, said to the people, have you seen, have you seen my beloved? And no, and she was, she was pursuing him. You also read that he was pursuing her. Well, there is no question. Um, you know, nobody ends up getting married unless somewhere along the line there was some pursuit. And we all like to disguise it like they're pursuing me when really I'm pursuing them or whatever. There's all these games that are played, you know what I mean? But there's definitely pursuit. 
where we where we run into problems in marriage is when the pursuit ends. And here's just a little thing that happens, okay? Men's thinking is, I need, men are project-oriented. I need to get me a good wife. And they pursue it. And to them, they come to the wedding and they say, mission accomplished. I, I have pursued and I have won my wife. And mission accomplished. And oftentimes the pursuing ends there, sad to say. To a wife, she comes to a wedding with a whole different outlook. It's not mission accomplished. This is just, this is just opening the door to all these dreams and aspirations and, and all these things are yet in the future. Well, you can see where those two things collide, can't you? The man is mission accomplished, next mission. I need to provide a, a good home. I need to get me a good four by four. I need, or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And goes on to project, project, project. Listen, men, and, and I say, God put me in the ministry because He knew I needed reminded of this over and over and over again. All these principles. But we need to pursue. Yes. You know, yes, she promised that she'd love you and you promised that you'd love her. You say, why pursue her? To keep the fun in marriage, if no other reason. You know what I'm saying? To make her happy. Happy wife, happy life. Okay? But seriously, we are to love as Christ loved us. How does he love us? He pursues us, doesn't he? I mean, he left the splendor of heaven and he came and, and pursued us. And yet, even yet today, he pursues. He brings things into our life to draw us close to him. He's at work in our lives. He's continually pursuing us. Exclusive love involves pursuit. Number five, exclusive love means supreme value. Supreme value is placed on the one who is loved. In realizing, um, as I'll speak as a man, as a man it's realizing this, my wife is God's gift to me. And supreme value placed upon her and placed upon the gift that God has given. And in understanding, as as a child of God, my, my wife is a child of God, so that means my father-in-law is God. Do you get that? And God has placed great value on his daughter. And that he has entrusted his daughter to you. You better 
place great value on it. And placing great value on each other. Why? This is the only day that we have. It's the only day that we can express our love. Exclusive love means supreme value. Exclusive love means forever, humanly speaking, until death parts us. Although Meryl and I are working out something to meet up in heaven, okay? Secret plan we've got going, all right? But it means that I'm going to live in such a way and in such a manner that that there is no questioning my love, that you are able to rest and be secure in knowing I'm going to love you to the very end. And that works both ways. And of course, we know God's love is forever. He loves us with an everlasting love. I mean, it's just overwhelming when you think of that. I am unlovely, and yet God loves me. And the Song of Solomon she was she was a country girl and and in this day completely contrary to today in this day to be tanned meant you were a poor folk country girl worked out the rich the rich women were in the palaces they weren't out in the sunlight their skin was fair and and so that's why she said Oh, that you would love me. I am dark from, and, and I know our society today can't relate to it, but all throughout history there have been changes in what has been considered beautiful. But Solomon says, no, I, I love you with this, this permanent love. And had to convince her that she was of value to him, of supreme value. And he pursued her. And they gave themselves to each other. And this is exactly what God does to us. There are many people that come and say, well, how could God love me? Oh, I know to a degree what I am and that God would love me. And God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Before you were formed, I loved you. I know every detail about you. I know everything that you think is bad, but God says, I love you. And in this is the expression of God's love. A pastor told about a story of when he was in Jerusalem sitting in an Orthodox Jewish classroom when a Jewish rabbi started teaching the marriage customs of first century Jews. He said that when a man had decided whom he had chosen to marry, the man's father would pour him a cup of wine and pass it down to his son. 
the son would then turn to the young woman he loved, and with the seriousness of an oath before Almighty God, the young man would hold out the cup of wine to the woman and ask for her hand in marriage, and he would ask with these words. This is what the Jewish rabbi said. These are the words. This cup is a new covenant in my blood which I offer to you. Do you understand that? He is, he is saying this cup represents I am offering to you a love that is willing to die for you. Those are the exact same words that Jesus Christ used when he instituted the Lord's Supper. He said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood for you. And according to the Jewish tradition describing the first century marriage custom, this was the marriage proposal that was made with the words that Jesus used. Now you think about that. In other words, Jesus says to you with this cup, he says, I love you and I want you. And I covenant myself to you. I commit myself to you. This cup is a new covenant in my blood which I offer you. And then the response is up to us. In essence, God is saying, do you love me? Will you covenant yourself to me? And in the Jewish tradition, the Young lady had the opportunity to, yes, I covenant together with you and partake of the cup. And even as the Shulamite in the Song of Solomon felt she was broken and not attractive, despite our brokenness, God offers to us. And despite being broken, we are chosen of God. And God is saying, will you make a commitment to me? So tonight, as we come to partake of the Lord's Supper, we're reminded this is done in remembrance of the time when we have received Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. It's a reminder that His body was broken for us and His blood was shed for us. It's a reminder of that. And it's a reminder of our commitment, even as hopefully, from my perspective, we went through these exclusive love things Hopefully it was a reminder to you, wow, I need to be paying more attention. I need to give time. I need to show supreme. Hopefully it was a reminder to you, tonight I not only pray it helps you 
in building marriages. But I hope this is a reminder to you. Wait a minute. God covenanted together with me. And he's saying, are you committed to me in the same that you place supreme value on me, that you're willing to pay attention, that you're willing to give me time, that you are making a commitment no matter what comes, God, my love for you is forever. This is a reminder of all of these things. Hear this rich and divine bridegroom Christ marries us, this poor, wicked harlot, and he redeems us from our evil, and he adorns us with his goodness, and our sins, which were our condemnation, he forgives because they were laid on Christ and swallowed up in the resurrection. Who has ever loved you like Christ loves you? And so as a believer tonight, this this time in just a moment when we remember the Lord's Supper, this is a remembrance. There's no grace, there's no special merit that is wrought through partaking of this. It is only for those who have acknowledged their sin and called upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. But it's a reminder to us, wow, as you hold the cup tonight before you partake of it, think of it as God's covenant again and a reminder to you and a renewal of your commitment to an exclusive love for God only. And to say, God, I receive this and I commit afresh and anew to you. This is, I mean, all of these things come together. The more we we hear about when Jesus said, this is a new covenant in my blood, they knew what he was talking about. They knew the love of God. And so we challenge us tonight, first of all, to have an exclusive love for God. And to say, you know, an exclusive love seeks forgiveness and says, God, I am am renewing my commitment to love you. And maybe it's in the area of attention or time or ownership. We've been owning our own life and running our own life. Maybe it's in our pursuit of God. What do you do to pursue God? A heart that pursues after God. That's what God wants in us. Or maybe tonight, I pray as I already mentioned, that that you would be saying, if you are here tonight as a married individual, that you'd say, you know what? I I need to honor God through having an exclusive love for my wife or my husband. But first and foremost, it's an exclusive love for God. Heavenly Father, I pray that tonight, as we remember 
your death and resurrection, the price that you paid for us. I pray that we would remember the covenant that we are in with you. And I pray that we would have a renewed, exclusive love for you. Lord, I pray that it would be manifested through the time and the attention that we give to you. I pray that it would be manifested in our willingness to submit to you as our Lord and Master and Owner. I pray that it be manifested in our pursuit of you, that we'd have a a heart that longs after you as the deer pants for the water May our spirit pant after you. And Lord, may we place a supreme value on you, knowing that nothing else matters apart from you. And may you be assured of a commitment that we will love you even unto death. So Lord, accomplish your purposes, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to 